This evening's reading is from Ephesians 5, from verse 13 to 20. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it's said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for Steve. Thank you, Lord, for Steve and for the words that he's going to bring to us. Guide him as he, as he brings that word. Bless him and help us as we listen to what you've got to say to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Good evening, everybody. I'm Stephen as well, known as Steve normally, and I'm the rector. And it's lovely to see you here tonight. Well, I'm going to ask us this question tonight. How can I make the most of my life? It doesn't matter really what age you are. I guess it's a question we all ask, really. But it's a question that is particularly on the minds and the hearts of people of Israel's generation, I think. And uh, I think it's almost like an oppressive question. I was reading um, about, uh, there's a podcast called Overinformed. And uh, uh, one particular episode was an interview with a researcher called Ashling O'Connor. And she wrote a paper, what she calls the burden of opportunity. The burden of opportunity. This is what she said about her research and about one particular interview she did. She said, one girl in particular, she was really interesting, she said that she said we were spoiled for choice. I went back and I didn't really know if she said spoiled, like I-L-E-D, or spoilt, I-L-T. So it's almost like she was saying, you could take it two ways, that we're so lucky to have all these choices, or else, well actually, we have too much, and we are spoiled because of it, because we cannot function now, because there's too much choice. It's almost like incapacitated us. And I, I find, as I talk to, um, I don't know what you call all these generations now, is it Gen Z? Anyway, that lot. You know, in the people in their 20s, uh, that, is, that is a burden that people experience. There's, there's just so much choice and the pressure to get it right. I've got to make the most of my life. How do I do that? So we're going to be thinking tonight about a passage in the New Testament, which we've had read to us from Ephesians. Uh, for those of you not familiar with St. Nick's, we've been going through this letter for the last few weeks, and we're just at this particular passage now. And I want to think about it, particularly in line with this question, how can I make the most of my life. So, I would just want to imagine that you are getting up and it's early in the morning and you're going down 
to the river. Thank you, Dennis. We go down to the river. It's just before dawn. And as you get to the river, the light is coming up and you can't really see where you're going because it's just at that point between darkness and light. And this is when you are going to get baptized. It's the fourth century, say. You, you're going down to the river, and as you go into the river, you're led into the river facing west. I'm facing west now. And it's black. It's dark. And then you turn as you go into the water, and you're baptized, and you're brought up facing east. And as you faced east, this song is sung. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, we don't know that this was definitely... It's all right, it will quieten down shortly. <laughs> we don't know that this particular, uh, these, these lines were said at baptism services, but we can tell because it's a poem. Let's just pause. I think we'll just sing together. We'll just sing a song. Uh, so how about just proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus in this place, okay? And we'll just celebrate the fact that he is a Prince of Peace and he is Lord. So um, what should we sing? This, what, have you got a song? Were you wanting us to do this one, or do you want to sing one of the ones from our... You don't know this one, do you? You don't know Wake Up, O Sleep, and Rise From There. There is a song, actually, uh, set to these words. But I think we... It says Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Lord. We declare your Lordship. We declare your lordship. We declare your peace over this place and over Dennis. Come, Lord. Thank you. Amen. So I'll begin again. <laughs> it's early in the morning. Do you know the next bit? And you go down to the river. And as you go down to the river, it's pitch black because it's just dawn. What happens next? You go into the river because you're going to be baptized. And you are facing west. west. You are facing west. You were listening. Great. You're facing west.
and it's dark. And you are baptized into the water, and as you're brought up, you're turned to face the east. As the sun is coming up, and the people around you sing these words, let's say them together. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We don't know that that actually happened. But we do know that these words in this passage are poetry, they're quoted as familiar words, they're probably a hymn. They were probably sung at Easter, they were probably sung at baptisms. And I like to imagine that they were sung as people were baptized. Because that is a picture of what baptism is. It's like rising from sleep and waking up. It's like rising from death and coming alive to a new life. Wake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So baptism is about two things. It's about acting out all that it means to be a Christian. It's about the death of Jesus and his resurrection. And it's about saying that I so identify with Jesus that I give my life to him so that his death is my death. And now I rise to live his life. And it's an actualization of the Christian life, entering into those things personally. So how can I make the most of my life? Well, it says that we should make the most of every opportunity. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And we're probably all aware that we live in evil days. And again, I think for Generation Z, it's, it's a burden to know that we... You know, on the one hand, we want to make the most of every opportunity. I've got all these opportunities. I can go to university. I can uh, study what I like. I can travel anywhere. Oh, no, because I can't, because I've got, to save the, I've got to save the climate. And you see, you're sort of in this conflicted space of having all these opportunities, but also the terrible responsibility of knowing that you live in an age that is evil, where there are big battles to be fought. So how on earth can I be wise and make the most of opportunity? Well, you're starting to ask the right question. Because the question we normally ask is, how can I be happy? But chasing happiness is a very difficult thing, isn't it? It's like trying to grab the bar of soap in the bath. You know, it keeps squeezing out of your hand. But chasing wisdom is a far better option. So what is the wisdom of the Bible for making the most of my life? Well, it says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this is a very good starting place for asking, how can I make the most of my life? And when my wife and I started dating, um, I was... Uh, living and working in Cambridge and she came over for the weekend and I thought she would love to cycle from Cambridge to Ely and back I mean who wouldn't <laughs> and so I borrowed a bike for her and we set off now I don't know whether you know the fens but you know it's very flat and if the wind is coming in the wrong direction it could be really difficult 
And by the time we got to Ely, Jane decided she didn't like to, bike, to, to cycle across the fens, and we would get the train back. Now, well, that was a bit of a surprise, because I couldn't think of anything more enjoyable than cycling Ely and back. And, uh, you know, this is what it's like in a relationship, isn't it? You, how can I understand what the other person wants? Well, initially, you think, well, they must want what I want. You know, what can I get my... My, my wife, for, uh, for her birthday, clearly a barrel of beer. <laughs> and as you grow in the relationship, you start to understand what the other person wants. And it's probably a bit different to what you want. But after a while of asking, you get to the point where you can think, I know she'd love that, because you know them. So how can I make the most of my, the best of my life? Well, ask, what does God want? That is the starting point. Understand what the Lord's will is. There are ways you can understand it quite easily. Starting to read the Bible, for one thing, will tell you a lot about what God wants. And there's no need, really, then, to agonize so much about the minute decisions that we make through our lives. Because the question we're really asking when we agonize over those decisions is, how can I have the optimum happiness in this situation? It's the wrong question. Start with this question. What does God want? Secondly, how can I make the most of my life? He says... Be filled with the Spirit. It says, do not be, get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Well, you only have to wander around Nottingham on a Friday or Saturday night to see the effects of being filled with wine or vodka or whatever, whatever else it might be. It, it, it inevitably leads to certain behaviors. Generally, behaviors that one regrets the following morning. That influence is inevitable. So, you know, when our children were at university, you know, we'd, we'd say to them, decide before you go. Decide before you go what you're going to drink. Decide before you go what you're going to wear. Decide before you go what you're going to do in that compromising situation. Because by the time the alcohol, alcohol is in your veins, it's too late. It takes over. It leads to behaviors. Well, in this case, the Paul is talking about debauchery. And there were, there were groups in his society that would get together to drink in order to have a debauched time. Would you believe that? I mean, can you imagine a society that does that? Well, nothing much has changed, has it? But he says, look, instead of doing that, there's a different way to behave to make the most of your life. And it's not to be filled with the influence of alcohol, but to be filled with the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this may sound like just a very nice thing to happen, but let me just share a, a story. When, when I was a teenager, um, my dad changed the central heating system in our house, and I remember crawling under floorboards and helping him. Now, Back in the Ice Age, when I was a kid, houses were generally powered with oil. And houses would have a great big oil tank in their 
back yard. Anyone have one of those? Yeah? Yeah? And, and the, the oil man would come from time to time and fill it up. It was all very exciting if you were a kid. Uh, but oil became more and more expensive, and then the North Sea was exploited, and we had our own gas, and so it was obvious you switched to gas. Now I think we're all going to be switched to, what is it, Will? It's a different kind of heating, isn't it? You know all about this. Okay, yeah. A heat pump. Heat pump. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're all going to switch to heat pumps, apparently. But anyway, so the day came when we were going to change from oil-fired heating to gas-fired heating. So the oil tank had to go, and a new source of energy was put into our house. So when you go into the death of Jesus and rise to the new life of Jesus, this is talking about a switch of energy. What was the energy that empowered you before? What, was the th what were the things that gave you uh, drive or confidence or whatever? Maybe it is alcohol for some of you. Well, there's a switch and the switch is the Spirit of God. Before, I was in charge, but now I've gone through this death and risen to a new life. So, so God's in charge, and his life is available to me through the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was, I was about 14 years old, and I know many of you have heard me talk about this before, but I'll, I'll tell you again, where it all changed for me probably 15 actually. And I met a guy who had been working with a woman <clears throat> called Jackie Pullinger in, the, in Hong Kong, in the Wall City. And he told me about the Holy Spirit. I'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. And he explained that the Christian life is not just trying to do your best. The Christian life is not just living in your own strength. The Christian life is about having access to a completely different energy source, the Holy Spirit. And he prayed for me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember just being in love with Jesus. It's like, and reading the Bible as if it was a completely different book. It, the words were just bouncing out of the page at me. It all made sense. It was like being on the inside of the TARDIS rather than the outside. And my life was changed. How can I make the most of my life? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this, the verb here, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is a perfect, it is, is well, there are, two, there are two present tenses in Greek, and this is an ongoing being filled, okay? So this is not just saying, when you were 15, Steve, that's great, now you're <laughs> um, a lot older. He's saying day by day, day by day, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this thing about that, that we're going to witness tonight with Israel, about her baptism, about going into the water and dying to the old life and rising to the new life, it's not just something that happens on the 20th of February, 2022. It's, that is a picture of, what, of an ongoing process. Because, you know, it's like a zombie film, you know, the, the old self has a, a habit of climbing out of the baptistry again and saying, hey, let me take over once more. So again and again and again, 
We submit to Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't look to other things that are going to give us the get up and go or give us confidence. We look to Christ and the strength of the Spirit in us. How can I make the most of the rest of my life be filled with the Holy Spirit? And then this passage just goes on to talk about three marks of a better life. I just want to finish with these. The first is that it's a life lived in community. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. This is a corporate activity. This is about being part of a community which is full of the Holy Spirit, part of a community where the life of the Spirit flows. And you know, I think anyone will tell you that your life is far better when it's lived with other people. Is that not true? Even those of us who are very introvert, we know that, don't we? There's nothing worse than being alone. You know, you can cope with so many things if you're not alone. And the Christian life is a communal life. That's why gathering together on Sundays to worship, gathering together in our midweek communities, gathering together in our small core groups, those are vital for our lives. It's a corporate life. And it's a life which is filled with worship. Secondly, it's a life of gratitude. And be thankful, it says. You know, my wife Jane, I'm very blessed to be married to Jane. Anyone who knows Jane will, will, will tell you that. In fact, they'll probably wonder how on earth she ended up with me. But I am very blessed because she has a gift of contentment. She's had COVID this past, well, had COVID. She's tested positive. She's not, not been ill at all, really, but she's had to stay in. And, you know, I was uh, doing some prep in my study yesterday, and she was, she was ironing in the kitchen and just singing praise to God and thanksgiving. I thought, you know, if I'd been locked up for over a week like you, I don't think I'd be doing that. But it was a beautiful thing. It was a life of thanksgiving and gratitude. And again, people who are interested in mental health will tell you, just gratitude is good for you. I think many of you know, a few years ago, I was thinking I was just becoming a grumpy old man and I needed a discipline of starting a journal and writing every night three things that I was grateful for for that day. And I'm three years on, I'm still doing it. It's made a difference. I, an attitude of gratitude. And this is a mark of a better life. And thirdly, it's a life lived in Jesus' name. It says this. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give me thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about living for Jesus and in his name. So let me just return to that big question. How can I make the most of my life? So just imagine, those of you who are young, imagine this scenario for you. You die when you're 33. Do the maths. You die when you're 33. You've never owned your own property. 
You have one decent item of clothing. You've never traveled out of your own country except when you were a kid. You can't remember it because your parents were refugees. And you die a horrible death. Does that sound like a great life? Oh, and you're a virgin. Does that sound like a great life? That is the best life ever lived. That's the life of Jesus. In God's book, that is the best life ever lived. Why was it the best life ever lived? Because it was a life of someone who knew to, how to please the Father God, his Father God, who had learned what God wants. It was a life that was given away. And this is where we come to the great paradox at the center of the Christian life. And it was summed up in some words of Jesus who said this, if you want to save your life, if you're going to hold on to it, sure as hell you will lose it. Jesus didn't say sure as hell. You will lose it. You will lose it. But if you give your life away for my sake, you'll find it. Here is the paradox. We spend all our lives fretting, how can I make the most of my life? And the answer is, why not give that life away so it's not your life anyway? That's the secret to a great life. You think of the people you know, who you admire, and there'll be something of that in them. Why do mothers have such authority in families very often? It's because their kids see that they don't, the mum doesn't live for herself. She lives for her kids. That is the secret of a great life. And so, shortly when we baptize Israel, it is, it's all that. It's saying, die. And then, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Not only will Christ shine on you, but Christ will shine through you. And that is the light that the world needs to see. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we worship you, we honor you as the one who did not hold on to his life, but gave it up and lived the most fruitful life ever. And it's because of you that we're here. And it's into you that we're baptizing Israel tonight. And it's in you that there is the secret of how to live the best life ever. Thank you for your call on our lives. 
Some of us heard you speaking that call to us tonight. Give us grace, Lord, and courage to respond.